Hello and thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. If you pay attention to the news, then you'll know that the topic of immigration is a big topic. But what you may not realize is that it's a big topic in the Bible too. In this series, we're looking at the Bible's teaching about loving those who are displaced from their home. So join us for this series. It's called Sojourners, The Good News for Immigrants. It's going to be February 4 to 18 as we discover that this topic actually has a lot more to say about God's compassionate heart than we may have realized. And as always, if you need anything, reach out to us. Find us at our website, tablechurchdsm.org. And if you want to learn more about the Immigrant Connection office that we just opened, uh, check it out on our website, tablechurchdsm.org slash ic-home. That's the letters I-N-C-home. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy this teaching. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here today. My name is Phil Wiseman. I'm the lead pastor here at Table Church, and I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to open with me to the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, chapter 25, is where we'll be looking at first. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and somebody will bring you one. So if you need one, you don't have one, you'd like one, or you can use your phone too. But if you don't own a Bible, we want you to have one and we'll give you the one that we're handing out. So if you'd like a Bible, just put your hand up and we will get it to you. So Leviticus 25, we're looking at verse 35 and then we're going to, once we read that, we're going to flip backwards to Leviticus 19. I'll remind you of that when we get there. All right, Leviticus 25 verse 35. Any day that I get to preach on Leviticus, I'm happy. It's one of my favorites. I mean it. It's just, we did a series on Leviticus a little while ago. Check it out. All right, so it says this. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. That's Leviticus 25, 35. Now go back to 19, 33 and 34. I'll give you a moment to get there. 19, 33, and 34. We're going to read this, and then I'm going to say some stuff, and we'll come back to it in a little while. It says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. If you like to mark in your Bible, I love to mark in my Bible, I would put something next to verse 34 here, um, because I think it's just a really cool verse, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I just want to give you the heads up. So today we start a new series, and this series, I need you to know, applies to you more than you think. It applies to you more than you think, at least many of us here, more than we realize. This series is called Sojourners, the Good News for Immigrants. We're going to be looking at God's heart for refugees and immigrants in this series. Now, when I say that it applies to most of us more than we think, it's because I know that many of us here are not immigrants. There, I think, are some immigrants in the room, but many of us are not immigrants. And yet, even if that's true of you, this topic is still inescapable. Because there are immigrants and there are refugees in our community, there in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. Now there's a danger in preaching on a series like this, because this is also, it's not just a biblical thing, it's a hotly contested political issue as well. That means that when I preach on a biblical view of immigration, many of us will hear this through our political filters. And so let me just challenge you up front here. 
The filters we use show us what we really worship. What I mean here is your knee-jerk reaction, the first place you go, when you hear something, that tells us what's on the throne of your heart. When I say immigrant, what activates in your brain? Is it the political rhetoric of your candidate? Is it political thoughts or is it biblical ones? What do we snap to when we talk about things like this? Series like this one have a way of exposing our true devotion sometimes. And so I simply say that not because I know what anyone is thinking or anything like that, but because I want you to be noticing in your own heart what's going on. And so the goal in this series is very simple. We're trying to discern God's heart for immigrants and refugees. I'm not advocating for any particular political legislation. Christians should be involved and should be concerned about that. But today, I'm more interested in making sure our priorities are right. Listen, the Bible does not tell us what our legislation should say in 2024. Almost said 2022. I don't know where I'm at. 2024, United States. But it does show us where our moral compass should point. Now, this topic is important for every Christian because it's important to God and there's piles of it in the, you know, it comes up piles of times in the Bible. However, it's especially important for us at Table Church um, for a number of reasons. You know that we have a tutoring program called Rise Up. Every Tuesday, we, we help kids with math and reading. They all, uh, most of them come from Edmonds Elementary, which is right across the street from our ministry center. Edmonds Elementary is 98% diverse. That school's 2% white, y'all. And everyone, not everyone, most of those kids come from that school, but every one of those kids is the child of an immigrant or refugee. And so this is already a big part of what we do as a church. But what's more is, as many of you know, we just this month launched our Immigrant Connection office. Immigrant Connection is something that uh, allows immigrants and refugees in our, in our uh, community to access high-quality, low-cost immigration legal services. Now that's a mouthful, and we're going to explain all that in this series. This is a set apart just so that we can get our heads around what we're doing as a church because it's significant. And, and I want you to be equipped. I want you to not only know for yourself, but I want you to know when others ask you because I think there's a good chance that we will become known as the church in town that offers immigration legal services to people. And people might ask you, they might say, aren't you that, don't you go to that church that had... I just got an email from somebody from Cedar Rapids a few weeks ago, and they said, hey, I heard that you guys have uh, immigration lawyers that do free work. And I was like, not quite. <laughs> We're not lawyers, and it's not free, but it is low cost. Uh, and so my wife, Natalie Wiseman, and Taryn Obink have now been approved as uh, immigration legal reps by the, the Department of Justice. And so the government offers this program that allows nonprofits and churches like us to open these offices because they know there's such a need. Zach Zamara is coming next week. He's going to preach. He's also a pastor. He's a great communicator. Megan already mentioned it, that we have a Q&A at noon at the ministry center after this. I encourage you to think about coming to that because it's going to help answer any questions you have about what this whole thing's all about. Okay? So as you can see, what we're doing here is we're trying to inform you and equip you through this. And then in, in two weeks, I'm actually going to have Natalie and Taryn on stage with me talking about their experiences so far with Immigrant Connection. So this is an important topic for any Christian. It, it matters for us. Like we need this series 
because this is something that God is forming in us um, in real time. Now, when we come to the Bible, here's what we discover. We find out that the Bible reveals that God has a, listen, startling compassion for immigrants and refugees. I use this word startling on purpose because that's precisely what it is. And I want to tell you two ways that I find it startling. The first one is this, the uniqueness of God's compassion for immigrants is startling. The uniqueness for God's compassion for immigrants is startling. When we read the Bible, one of the most helpful things that we can do is to read it in context. And part of what that means is having a sense of what's going on in other cultures around the Bible at the time it was written or at the time things happened. So for example, when we read the Old Testament, we're reading about a nation called Israel. And this nation had a, had a unique relationship with God. God chose them to be kind of his people in order to show the world who he is. And so we're reading the story of Israel, but in order to help us understand what is so special about this, it's helpful to read, for example, what was going on in ancient Babylon at the time. And what's cool is living in 2024 is we actually have a whole lot of amazing archaeological discoveries. They couldn't do it in 1800. We can today. We can read about what was going on in ancient Babylon. And when we read, for example, ancient Babylon's laws, their law codes, and then we go and we read the Old Testament laws, we start to see these two cultures are not the same. There are some very significant differences between ancient Babylon and ancient Israel, even though they existed near each other and at the same time. And one of the significant differences is how they treated foreigners. In fact, one scholar named Daniel Carroll, he reads these ancient law codes, and here's what he says. He says, the first thing that stands out in the study of the sojourner in the Old Testament is the remarkable contrast that can be drawn with the other law codes in the ancient Near East. The law codes are almost totally silent about these people. The legislation in the Old Testament could not be more different. Other ancient law codes reference vulnerable individuals such as the poor, widows, and orphans, but they are silent about the foreigner. In other words, other people in the ancient world, they weren't thinking about immigrants. They weren't talking about it let alone dictating that you should be compassionate towards them. And so it doesn't come up in Babylon's laws. But listen, it comes up a lot in the Old Testament. And so I want to walk through just a handful of passages this morning that talk about this. And we're going to barely scratch the surface, by the way, of all the biblical material that we could go to. But first thing to notice is that the prophets thundered against oppressing the foreigner. It says, Zechariah 7, 9 and 10, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Now, often we think that the Old Testament is really just like a bunch of rules you got to follow. That's like the caricature of the Old Testament that we often have. That ain't true. God's always been a God of compassion, of mercy, grace, and justice. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet warns Israel, hey, you can't let the fact that you have the true temple lead you to think that you're above mercy and compassion. Here's what he says. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. In other words, don't go around saying, oh, we've got the temple, we're good. We've got the temple of the Lord, we're special. He's saying, no, 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 no. 
Don't do that. He says, verse five, if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other, each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the followers or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place. In other words, he's saying, look, having the right temple and having the right scriptures does not equal having the right religion. He says this is about what's happening right here too. In fact, we find out that failure to be compassionate to the foreigner could lead to judgment. Malachi 3.5 says this, so I will come put you on trial, God says. If that doesn't make you gird up your loins, I don't know what does. God says, I will come and put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Look, it's no surprise that like adultery, right? That's bad. Sorcery, <laughs> kind of frowned upon, like no shock there. Did you know that God puts oppressing the foreigner in the same boat? And finally, we read that Israel was to extend the same legal protections to foreigners among them as they did to their own native born. Deuteronomy 1 says, and I charge your judges at the time, hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly whether the case is between two Israelites or between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Okay, look, we've just barely scratched the surface and we're starting to see how unique God's compassion is. Nobody else was talking about this. And all we, already we can see there are some very clear and forceful writings in the Old Testament about how we are to treat the immigrant. And so what I want you to understand is how different this is. This make, God is, is totally different than the other gods that they worshipped in the ancient world. Nobody was kind and compassionate to somebody outside of their tribe, their clan, or their nation. But God's people would be different. Their posture towards immigrants is one of the clearest examples of that difference. Because that's the kind of God we serve. The uniqueness of God's compassion is startling. The second thing we see is that the depth of God's compassion is startling. I read in a book, it was published in 2021, but at the time it said there was an estimated uh, number of 9 million refugees worldwide. I imagine it's gone up since then. But we're talking about here people who are displaced from their homes due to famine or war or conflict. These are forced immigrants, people who have to leave their home. They have no choice but to go find a home elsewhere. And they come to places like Des Moines. They come to your neighborhood. They often come with very little they're separated from their families. Many people will fight for years and years to try to find and, and, and be reunited with their family. The bloodiest war on planet Earth took place in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The bloodiest war since World War II took place in the DRC. My friend Isaac, many of you know Isaac. In fact, I met him through Jamie Sosnowski. Jamie met Isaac because she picked him up on the side of the road when he needed a ride. And so now Isaac... He comes to Table Church periodically. I'm in contact with him even just this week. I was talking to him. Uh, Isaac's story is he fled his village when he was five years old to get to safety. He got separated from his grandmother in the jungle of the Congo. 
And he lived in the jungle alone as a five-year-old for a week until a UN peacekeeping soldier found him. Stories like Isaac's seem unusual to us, but they are not unusual. They are common for many. Isaac now lives in Des Moines. He has a job here in Des Moines. I saw him walking down Kingman Boulevard to his job just this week. And um, he's doing well. But stories like his are not rare. And we're talking about the most vulnerable position a person can possibly be in. They're separated from their land, their family, their work. They're in a new climate, a new culture, a new language. And this is simply how life is for large numbers of people across the globe. God's message is clear to us. We must show them hospitality is the word. It literally says, love them as you love yourself. Now, the verses that I read at the very beginning of the message here from Leviticus, these verses help us see the depth of God's startling compassion for immigrants and refugees. Now, I like to read the verse from Leviticus 25 first. It says this. I'll read it one more time. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. Now, it's a confusing passage if you just read it on its own because if you're really thinking about it, who wants to be treated like a stranger? We don't treat strangers very well, do we? And so when it says treat them like a foreigner or a stranger, it sounds like you're supposed to dismiss them, right? Treat them like an outsider. So what's going on here? Well, we go back to chapter 19 and we read about how we're supposed to treat foreigners and it makes sense. You treat your neighbor who becomes poor like a foreigner because they treated foreigners so well that they would be taken care of. It says this, Leviticus 19, and 34. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. Hey, where have we heard that before? You know who else said that? Jesus. Jesus didn't make it up. He was quoting this verse. <laughs> they say, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It says, love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That's why you treat your neighbor who falls on hard times like a foreigner, <laughs> because you treated them so well that they'd be okay. So what does this look like in practice? Well, there's all sorts of things in the Old Testament. Just one really popular example, one well-known example, is, is what we refer to as the gleaning laws. The gleaning laws were these laws in the Old Testament that said, hey, when you harvest your crop, don't harvest all of it. Leave some of your crop in the field so that others can come along if they're in need and they can glean from it. And it's notice, it doesn't say, hey, go harvest everything and then go give some of it away. It's saying, no, leave some of it for, for others to work for. They got to harvest it, but leave it for them. For example, Deuteronomy 24 says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. It's amazing to me how much memory 
plays a role throughout the, the scriptures. God's constantly calling his people to remember where they come from and remember who they were. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, and he gives us the sacrament of, of communion. And so we're supposed to remember. We're not supposed to let our circumstances now go to our heads. Always remember that everything that we have is given to us. So God's telling his people not to keep all that's theirs. That crop that you worked really hard for, leave some of it. Leave some of it. In other words, you don't own, you don't actually own what you have. You steward it. Now, as we move into the New Testament, and we'll talk more about the New Testament in the coming weeks, but what we find is that the love, the mercy, and the compassion that we read about in the Old Testament just gets cranked up a notch. Jesus tells a story about a foreigner, not just any foreigner, a Samaritan, one of the enemies of his people. And he says, this Samaritan, you know what? He helped the guy on the side of the road when the leaders of Israel walked right by. People who heard that parable, they were offended. At the very least, they were startled. There's nothing else like it. Paul tells us to practice xenophilia. That's the Greek word. You've heard of xenophobia, fear of strangers. The Bible says practice xenophilia, the love of strangers. That's the biblical word for hospitality. Hebrews says that you should practice hospitality because some people have hosted angels and didn't even know it. But here's the point. Christians should be known for their startling love for strangers. We should be known for our startling love for strangers. In fact, we might argue that that should be the first impression people have of us. They should be like, yeah, Christians, I don't know. They, uh, they're like ridiculously loving toward people that they don't even know. Loving outsiders is one of the defining characteristics of the people of God. It's one of the things that makes us weird. It makes us identifiable as the people of God. So this is why we're launching Immigrant Connection. God has placed Table Church right in the heart of the city. Just a stone's throw away from countless refugees and immigrants. Look, I could hit the homes of Countless immigrants with a, with a driver <laughs> on a good day. Sorry, this is a golf club. <laughs> like, like, we're surrounded by that. That was a weird way to make the point. I'm just saying, we're really close, all right? And so this is why we've launched Immigrant Connection. Uh, so far, since we opened in January, the ladies have submitted 10 cases to the government. That means that there's 10 clients that they've met with and they've filled out the paperwork and they've sent the the paperwork into the government, um, and they've helped people apply for citizenship, they've helped people renew green cards, they've helped people renew work permits. Right now they're helping someone from a war-torn area in the Middle East try to bring her father, who's in his 80s and can't walk, to the United States. His home's been destroyed, her siblings are there as well, she's trying to get them here. That was a really heavy day, a really heavy day for Taryn and Natalie, as they say, I hope we can help, but we just, there's so much that's outside of our control. And you know what? We haven't even advertised yet. Now, a lot of those cases come from the Tyson partnership that um, Immigrant Connection has. That means that every month they travel to some meatpacking plants in the area uh, and meet with the employees there. But I believe that there is much more to come. And, um, and I believe that this is going to be something that God uses in a big way.
Now you might be wondering, that's cool, how can I be a part of this? Well, I think as time goes on, there'll be more and more opportunities for more of us to get involved. Our hope is that someday we're asking more people to train as DOJ reps, as uh, immigration legal reps. Um, but we're not quite there yet. At some point, we're gonna need volunteers in the office doing filing and paperwork, stuff like that. But right now, we have an Amazon wish list of just basic office supplies that we could really use. So I'm gonna mail that wish list to everybody, a link to you in the, uh, in the morning tomorrow. And I would just love for you to click on that and just go through and find some ways that, that you can bless our freshly opened Immigrant Connection office. If you, have a heart, if you have a heart to help people, we always could use tutors in our Rise Up program as well. Um, the more tutors we have, the more students we can serve. It's on Tuesday afternoons. So if you've got a flexible schedule, we'd love to have you there as well. So, you know, we have a, lot, we have a couple of neat programs at Table Church that are kind of doing this work of, of hospitality that we read about in the Bible. But I also want to say this, having programs isn't enough. It has to be something that, ha that happens in our individual hearts. It has to be a posture that we all have in our own lives. Let me give you an example of what that might look like, because this is what happened to me. Uh, one of the mornings that I was actually working on this very sermon that I'm preaching now, this was Monday morning, um, I got a call at 5.45 in the morning. Now, when you're a pastor and you get a call at 5.45, your first thought is like, this can't be good. So I got out of bed and I looked at my phone and it was my friend Beatrice. Some of you know Beatrice because uh, she's a Liberian refugee and our church has been privileged to help Beatrice with a number of things over the last year or so. And I saw that Beatrice was calling me at 5.45 in the morning. I thought, well, it's either a pocket dial or it's not good. <laughs> um, it wasn't a pocket dial. And so I, I, I saw it and I thought, okay, I'm going to let it go to voicemail, not because I'm dodging her call, but because I'm not coherent. Uh, so I'm going to let her leave a voicemail. I'm going to see what she needs, and I'm going to call her back, and we'll figure out what to do. And so she left a voicemail, and sure enough, she was broken down on the side of the road, coming home from work. She works night shifts at Amazon. She was on her way back to her apartment in Ankeny uh, with her friend, and, um, and the car broke down, and they were on the side of the road on I-35 in Ankeny. And I thought, I don't want to drive to Ankeny. I'm warm in my bed, and I gotta get my kids to school, and I don't know how long it'll take, and on and on and on. And then God literally says to me, Phil, you are literally writing a sermon on helping refugees. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh. I get out of bed, and I call her back, and, and I say, I'm coming, you know. And so I, I go, and I'm up in Ankeny, and I find them, and I pull over, and, and they get out of the car, th these two ladies, these two Liberian ladies, and they get out of the car, and they're so excited to see me. That was fast, Pastor Phil, you know, and they're cracking jokes about how their car blew up and all these things. I'm like, your attitude is so much better than mine would be right now if I was in your shoes. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of things in my life that they wish they could have, but you know what? They got something that I don't have as well. I was blessed through that interaction. I don't know what's going on. There's like a pattern happening in my life because just last week I shared a story too. Remember this? Last week I, I was driving to work Monday, January 15th, one of those crazy sub-zero days, and I see a family walking literally down MLK Parkway on the road because the snow was too deep on the sidewalk. It was a sub-zero temperature day. It's a mama and two kids, and I think, that's not good. And, and I'm just like, you have to, I said, I have to pull over. I have to offer them a ride. I pull over and I'm like, hey, 
I know I'm a stranger, but get in my van. <laughs> and they do. They don't speak English. Um, but I, she hands me a paper with an address of the, the refugee office on university. And I, and I get her there, and I drop her off with the kids, and, and I drive away. And then it's like something just prompted in my heart and said, Phil, you need to call the office you just dropped them off at. You need to call. And I didn't know why. And so I called that office to find out that they were closed that day because it was MLK Day. And I thought, I just left these people outside in the cold. <laughs> and so I turned around and went back and got them. And I'm so, glad that, I'm so glad I felt prompted to do that because I don't know what they would have done. And I got them where they needed to be. And so here, here's my point in sharing those stories with you. The more available you make yourself, the more God will use you. And are we as a church ready for the 5.45 a.m. phone call? Are we ready for the inconvenience that sometimes occurs? Are we ready to be used by God? It sounds cool, right? Yeah, I want to be a church that's compassionate and just and all these things. It's not cool when you're in your bed and you're getting a phone call and you got to go drive to Ankin, right? It's less cool then. But it's still a privilege. Are we willing to do that? Are we as a church willing to be that kind of people? Because I think that, that God wants to do something big. I think that so, there's, there's something, he's pulling us into his heart more and more. And I think that just the way that things have lined up for us, I think that God wants to use us in this more and more. Are we willing, are we willing to let him use us? He's not going to do it, though, until we're ready to pull over when we're in a hurry on our way to work. He's not going to use us until we're willing to take those phone calls early in the morning. He's not going to use us until we're willing to be inconvenienced. I got a lot going on. Got my own things to worry about. I know. But this is what the people of God are supposed to be. So once we're ready, there's no telling what God will do through this church. In fact, it may just startle us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want your heart. We want more of it. We want to live it out more and more, I pray. And so help us to discern your will. Lead us deeper into this ministry, we ask. And Lord, when the time comes where we feel exhausted, would you strengthen us? Lord, as we go through this series, I know that some of us are thinking, what, what, is, what does this have to do with me? Lord, would you help us to see that it's not just about me, it's about us, and we are called to be a people of compassionate justice. And so, let it be true of us, we pray. We love you, God, in your name. Amen.